Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. And it is October 15th. That means we have Pia and Cullen from the Pleiadian Calendar and Pleiadian uh, Earth Astrology with us this morning. Good morning, Pia and Cullen. It's great to see you both. Good morning, Janet. Delighted to be here. It's great to be back with you. We love these discussions that we create together. And if people could only hear our discussions behind the scenes, they would go, oh, uh, now, <laughs> now we know where the juicy stuff is. Yeah. Oh, and again, Pia, you and I match at least, you know, the colors yes. underneath yes. your color, yes. uh, which we always seem to manage to do. It's funny. And I noticed that you two seem to, at least on the cameras, from the camera view, you guys look like you match, like you're, you're, you're perfectly in color tune with one another. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I see people are already checking in with us. Good morning, Tom. It's good to see you up and Adam this early. And Christine Buckingham. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Dumiel. Hello. Great to see people on the ball first thing in the morning. Of course, they're probably on the East Coast, not sitting there at 8 a.m. going, oh my God, it's Janet time. <laughs> uh, but we have a lot to talk about this morning. There's a lot going on astrologically for the weekend. I don't know that we'll get as deep as we usually do with some of those things because there are there are just things, ener wider, bigger energies that I want to get to today. And one of those key words that I want everybody to think about this morning is revolution, revolution energy and revolution that leads to rebirth. So we're not talking revolution that leads to war. We're not talking about it in those terms, but revolutionary energy is big in the field for at least the next several weeks. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means. And of course, then that leads me to Jupiter changing directions on Sunday and Mercury changing directions, hallelujah, on Monday. And then on top of that, uh, I want to talk about some things with Pia and Colin to do with the Pleiadian star cluster. And so right up your alley, right? So uh, as I was telling Pia and Colin behind the scene, I woke up this morning. I think I actually was thinking about this about four o'clock in the morning because I was wide awake about the Pleiadian star cluster. And my daughter had recently had an Akashic Records reading and she was called by that person or by the records as a Pleiadian star seed. And I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting because she's a Taurus and her birth date is right at 28 degrees of Taurus. So I looked up what degree of the constellation Taurus that the Pleiadian star cluster sits at. And lo and behold, it sits at the 28th and 29th degree of Taurus and zero Gemini. So it, it's taking up space, in other words, three degrees or so of the sky or of that particular cluster. And uh, of course, that meant that my daughter's birthday is May 19th. That's 28 degrees or so-ish, a little further into 28 degrees. So she definitely, so I could validate that she was a Pleiadian star seed. So I wondered from your perspective, Colin and Pia, what does that mean to you guys that there's a star system? Now people, when we're talking about LARCMA and uh, other Pleiadian entities, they're not actually living on the stars that are part of the Pleiadian cluster, are they? No, no, no. Right, they, the stars. 
They use that as an energetic base, a locator for the energy because they're such a loving energy that they want people to recognize their energy. But that that's a locator for them. They're much older than the Pleiadian star system. They're also much, their origins are much further away than the Pleiades. But but as Pia said, they use the Pleiades as, as a, a contact place because it's so much closer to us here on earth than where their origins really come from. Interesting, interesting. So I, of course, do astro design. So I'm going to take that that 28 to 29 Taurus and zero degrees Gemini. And now I want to place it in our human design or in our gene keys. And so I was really excited to see that because I already knew, I already knew what this was going to be. It was going to land at the gate eight, which is for everybody listening, the gate eight sits at the, uh, the lower part of the throat center leading down to the soul center or the identity center in your human design. And the gate eight is a gate called contribution. It is where we as human beings seek to find the voice outlet for our unique genius or our unique uh, voice or uh, talent or gift. So it doesn't mean it has to be uh, somebody, you know, that a genius like, you know, intellectually, <clears throat> because in the human design in the gene keys, when we're talking about genius, we're talking about your personal gifts that you're here to share. So then I took it even deeper and I looked at where those degree spans were and they're in the, the gate eight in the line five. Don't get caught up in that detail because I want to read to you what it says. It says <clears throat> for the eight five, benevolence, attuning to how, when, and what to co-create. How Pleiadian is that? Very. And then the eight six says re-evaluating, constantly encouraging harmonious environments. I loved it. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so perfect. So that is the degree then in your own human design or the gate in your own human design that the Pleiades star cluster sits. It's not one star. In fact, it's about seven stars, the seven sisters. Mm -hmm. The only sister I really know the name of is Alcyon. And I know you might guys, you might know more about it, but it was just interesting to find those connections that we have to a star system that is very much up in our minds right now, very much in our world. Would they agree about that contribution, about reevaluating, about benevolence, about creating harmonious environments? They absolutely would. And it is so synchronistic that we're talking about this right now. And they were reaching the gateway eight with these particular things coming up and that it's about the throat chakra because at sunset today, we enter into the next 13 day period in the Pleiadian earth energy calendar of being energy and being energy is all about who are you and who are you becoming? And the thing that the, the Pleiadians, what Larkma tells us about this energy is something we need to do every single day. But this 13-day period gives us a bigger opportunity. Larkma says we speak each other into being. That means that's, that's your throat chakra right there you're talking about, Janet. We speak each other into being. If we are kind and compassionate and listening and receptive and gentle, all of those things 
cause a reaction to the person that's hearing them so that they then go, oh, well, I am kind and receptive and I listen and they do those things and mirror them back. If we are harsh and critical and judgmental and blaming, the other person's going to back up like this because who wants to hear that kind of stuff? But nevertheless, we speak each other into being. We reinforce each other's goodness or we reinforce each other's Weakness, weak areas, weak areas. It's like talking to a child. If you tell the child all the time, you're so smart, you do such a good job, that child is going to grow up with confidence. If someone tells that child, you're so stupid, why don't you ever get anything right? That child's going to lack self-confidence. So we truly do speak each other into being, and that's a real good way to see it. Yeah. I noticed I followed your your newsletter or the, the Pleiadian, yeah, the newsletter that came out. Mm-hmm. And you have this beautiful graphic about how if if talking to plants makes them bloom more, um, just imagine what can happen when you you talk nicely to a human. And I, I think that's exactly what you're saying. And interestingly enough, the throat center in a human design chart connects down to the soul center, the identity center. And it is a, a place of vulnerability. So vulnerable to criticism, vulnerable to and vulnerable in a good way to someone giving profound empowerment to you through words. So it it all kind of dovetails together quite nicely, I think. It does. It does. Yeah. So tell us now, we're coming out of the week of one loving and today's 13 enlightenment, but get that word out. Um, so what, what are we taking with us from this previous 13-day period that we can take into the next period of time? How does that dovetail? Like, Because, you know, they're, they're, it, this is a spiral of consciousness, and I see them all as moving one to the other. Can you tell us what that seam is like? Sure. The last th- 13 days of loving energy have been about how to pull dualistic opposites into unity, how to use the dynamic tension to grow, how to be kind to one another in the way that we respond to one another lovingly rather than, well, you're good and you're not good kind of judgmental stuff because of being on different polarities. With the loving energy, hopefully, if we've been working it well, we have stepped out of dualistic polarity and begun to recognize that everybody has something to offer. And going into being energy now, we have the choice of how we're going to listen and talk to other people. Being energy, like all the earth energies, has a high vibration and a low vibration. At the low vibration, people become very needy. They're critical. They're judgmental. They're just quick to judge anything, whether it's themselves innerly, inwardly, or whether it's someone else. But the high vibration of being energy, which is what we're all striving for, that is about creative resolution to anything that comes up. So somebody snaps at you rather than reacting in kind. Instead, you can go, oh, this person's having a tough time. And you can respond with kind tones, soften the whole situation. So being energy is very much about taking the conflict out of the voice, taking it out of what we're speaking into being. And this this curiously is absolutely dovetailed at this time because it's occurring during Mercury retrograde, a time when communication is not at its best. So if if we have been on our toes and, and taking the high road and doing what we can do positively, 
during Mercury retrograde, we can communicate and be kinder to each other rather than being stuck in, in the, the, the discommunication, the, the tension mm-hmm. of what happens during Mercury retrograde. So this, this actually unaccidentally has occurred at exactly the right time. And I think this Mercury retrograde yeah. is in Libra, isn't it, Janet? Yes, I was it's just going to say it's like, in the sign of Libra, which we yeah. all know is a relationship sign or a sign right. you know, that promotes loving, cooperative teamwork and, and uh, you know, loving relationships. It's perfect. Yeah, so it's, it, it is, it's beyond perfect. It's, it, this is what we would call cosmic timing. Mm-hmm. When, these, when these energies line up and give us the opportunity to make leaps and bounds in our, in our evolution, it, it's, it, it's amazing what, what we could have accomplished in the past few days would make a complete change in the way people deal with each other interpersonally, in a nation, in a community, worldwide. And so this has been a perfect time for us to do the best we can possibly do to communicate with kindness and compassion. So sunset tonight, wherever you are on the planet, think about all the high energies you've worked with in the last 13 days of loving energy to get away from tension and to make it more unified, and then step into the new 13 energy of being with how can I be kind in every tone I use? Absolutely. That's so perfect. You know, and as I was just thinking back to Mercury's transit through Libra, he moved forward to 25 degrees of Libra and he's moving backward. He'll turn direct at 10 degrees of Libra. In human design, that means he's moving through all of the gates on our spleen center. The spleen is the center for time, intuition, and survival. And often the gates there. Uh, double as fear and shadow energies. So we have a lot of shadow energy that is coming up during this period of time for us to move through. And it was kind of ramped up in this every year. Of course, the sun goes through Libra and then Scorpio and those two signs hold where the energy is for the spleen. So fear is prevalent on the planet during that time, or at least it's in our minds to be able to work through some of those shadow energies. That's one of the reasons why Halloween is so interesting because it falls right in this time period where the spleen is activated, where fear is activated. And as you know, Mercury's moved through here, the sun is going, is moving through here. Now Mars is also moving through this energy and Venus moved through this energy up until last week or the week before last. So we've had this real big focus on bringing the shadows up. And uh, because Libra is a sign of the mind, it also begins to work at the level of the mind, how we're thinking, because we may not always say out loud, speak it, what Mm -hmm. we're thinking, but the fact that we're thinking of it also has a creative energy attached to it. So we have to really become aware of the co-creative abilities that we have and Uh, a reminder to everybody, it's not just what you say to others. It's about how you're even speaking about yourself or to yourself, right? Yes. I I think sometimes we we talk to others in a way that's more powerful or more positive than we speak to ourselves. 
I've caught myself doing it. I think others caught themselves doing it. If we got honest with each other, right? We'd go, oh yeah, I would never talk to a friend that way. I would never say that to a friend, but I would say it to myself. Mm-hmm. But you're also a part of all of this energy. So to do so is to undermine your own power and your own, not to, uh, you're not offering up compassion to yourself. Mm-hmm. And and that's really an important idea because if we're doing that to ourselves, it's not just affecting us. It ripples out. Mm-hmm. It Those thoughts or those words, whether they're silent or verbal, actually move out of our energy field and move into other people's energy fields. Even if they're not aware of what we're saying to ourselves, they still have the ability to feel it and understand it at some level. So you're absolutely right. We have to be careful about the self-talk that we're involved with because it's not just about us. We're connected to everyone else. We're connected to everything else. And it does make a difference how we're treating ourselves as a, as a foundation of how we will treat others also. Absolutely. And again, when we're talking in human design, if we're looking at the fact that the Pleiades and the lessons they've been teaching us, right, the, the, the way that they've been trying to help us evolve, um, the energy in that particular um, star system, perhaps, or from their point of view, is that we are co-creators here. And it's always coming down to a choice, right, the, that we are choosing mm-hmm. in every moment of what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're sensing, um, and then how are we going to respond? I'm using the word respond deliberately because what we're trying to release on this planet, I think in a very big way is reactionary energy or that reaction, the gut level knee jerk, you know, feeling of defense, defense, defending ourselves against something. It's, It's pretty profound when you think about how all of this change on the planet comes down to a choice, our choice as individuals, and what direction do we want to steer the world or our consciousness in? You know, Janet, that is something that Larkma has told us over and over again. And I mention it on every international live call, every gathering we've ever done. They say, remember, you have a choice in every given moment. You can always choose your attitude and you can choose your response to whatever's going around. And choice doesn't exist everywhere in the universe. It's a special gift here on this planet. So we have to treat it wisely. We have to not dismiss it and think, oh, it's nothing because a choice is made in every moment, even if it's an unconscious choice. That's a choice too. Yeah. Yeah. Many musicians have sang songs around that same sort of subject, right? Even if you don't make a choice, you still have made a choice. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you choose not to do something, it's still a choice. And, you know, to another point in um, uh, the thoughts that we have and the actions that we take, that all feeds from the throat center into that identity center, which acts as a magnet in our bodies, in our physical being. And it's a one-way magnet. It can only draw to us the experiences, the people that, and opportunities for what it is that we're feeding to it. So if we're feeding anger and hate and and upset and all those, you know, more negative or low frequency energies, then that's what we're going to attract more of to ourselves. 
And when we are focusing on the positive or on love or on, you know, being present in the moment, whatever it is, you're also feeding that into the magnet and energizing that stuff to be drawn to you as well as, I mean, you're sending it out, but the universe is picking it up and saying, oh, you want more of this, right? Mm -hmm. This is how you want to be treated, or this is how you, this is the experience that you need. A loving universe will give that back to you. Because it doesn't hear, no, I don't want that. It just hears or it just senses that that's the, the, your focus is drawing to you the experiences. So be responsible, not reactionary. And it manifests on multiple levels. It can manifest in your physical reality. It can manifest in illness and health. It can manifest in a good mood or a bad mood. There's lots of levels of manifestation of what that magnet is drawing to you. And we do have a conscious choice of participating in what the universe brings us. It's really important to remember that. Yeah. It's harder, I think, when we get to this time of year with all those shadow energies coming up. But mm-hmm. if we don't, if we don't work through those shadow energies, then we're caught in a in a, a groundhog day sort of loop, right? Of everything always yeah. being triggering, uh, reactionary. I mean, you can, you know, there's always a reaction potential to anything that comes up. And unless we choose to change that, we are doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes or doing the same things over and over, experiencing the same things uh, over and over again. So that's not evolution. No. (laughs) And I would bet the spiraling consciousness of the the nature of this calendar is, is a light guiding us into a new way of being. Absolutely. Being energy is the primal waters where everything can begin again. It's the primal waters of birth. It's very connected to water energy because it's, it is a place where we can be fluid, we can be flexible, and we have massive opportunity for change. So it's a very, very potent creative energy to engage with. In the Mayan calendar, being is Imish, which was the cosmic crocodile or alligator that birthed the world and then right. nurtured that birth or that being or that creation. So it's also got to have a level of nurturing energy around it. So what are you nurturing in yourself? What are you nurturing in others mm-hmm. is, again, a focus, I think, that we have for those next 13 days. Absolutely. And to look at the shadow side of it. Where am I being critical and where am I judging also? Because you cannot focus on creative nurturing if your mind is attuned to judgment. You've got to let go of the judgments and say, okay, I can discern a difference, but I'm not going to judge it in myself or in others. And then turn towards that creative nurturing energy to properly use it. It's powerful when we do that. Woo! And it's all in our control. That's the thing that people, I don't know that we understand completely that all of this is up to us as individuals. This Mm -hmm. isn't like something that's happening to us. This is something that we are participating in. Mm -hmm. And if you were participating in something, you would put in your all, right? And you would do your best. If you were participating in the Olympics, uh, in a sport, let's say a gymnast or something, you're going to put in your all, right? Because just... That's the nature of humanity. So we need to be remembering that in the creation of this new world or the new earth or this new energy to put in our all right toward what it is we're trying to create. 
Yes, Christine, you're right. It was a Rush song. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I said that. So mm -hmm. let's just say good morning to Kathleen again. Kamal Lodi, good morning. Londa, hello there. And J-Lo, good to see you. And I think I missed somebody up here. Leilani, it's good to see you. Natasha, good morning. Valerie Jocelyn, good morning. Mimi, hello. So more and more people joined us. And again, I kind of typed in, but I'm never sure where that goes. If you have questions for Pia or Colin about what's happening on the planet, of what's happening with uh, their work, please type that in there and uh, I will try to keep an eye on that so we can ask that question. Um, now I'm going to switch a little bit up to uh, the astrology of the day because I believe this is one of those weekends that uh, we want to pay attention to. Uh, first of all, there are two planets changing direction within this time period. And this morning, we have the moon in the void, the void, of course, moon from 5.33 a.m. my time, so West Coast time, to 7.22 p.m. this evening. The whole of the day is in the moon, wandering around, holding us to a, uh, the energy of the moment that it went into the void. So we're not able to necessarily make big moves today. It might be a real good day for contemplation for sitting with some of the things that we're talking about and seeing if you can apply them to your own life or checking in with yourself about, well, where am I in all of this? How am I reacting versus responding? All those kinds of things. Now, the moon is void, but it's still in the sign of Aquarius. And Aquarius energy is about seeing the future. So maybe we can tap into the qualities that we want to see in the future, the future here of this planet, the future comes right after the now, right? So in this now, we can begin to create what comes next. And that's what we see very powerfully when planets are in Aquarius and at this point in time, the moon and then Saturn and also Jupiter are in Aquarius energy. So it's very much in our, it's in our faces right now. There's humanitarian attitude energy here. So we're looking to release the me first energy, the greed energy that's been on the planet and balancing the me and the we, me, we balancing. So essentially we are, and, and you see a lot of this happening on the planet too, where things in the outer world seem to be almost pitting the individual and their rights against the rights or the freedoms of the group. So we see this is gonna be a struggle that we are working through in the as we move fully into the the age of Aquarius. So anytime there are planets in Aquarius, we get practice time, right? So we get to practice balancing our own personal needs against the needs of the group or the family or the tribe that you're a part of, the community that you're a part of. This is a sign of revelations and revolutions, and we're going to talk a little deeper about the revolution aspect as Jupiter changing directions on the gate of revolutions makes it so much in our faces right now that this is a time for change on this planet. And then the moon moves into Pisces after 722 my time tonight. I'm not sure what that would be in universal, the time zone that you guys are in, Pia and Colin, but I'm guessing that would be probably after midnight. So into yes. tomorrow morning. Yes. <laughs> so tomorrow morning when you wake up, the moon will be in Pisces tomorrow morning. When we all wake up, it'll be there too, but it, it'll be there for part of the day for us as well. And the moon in Pisces is it, the moon is in Pisces all the way through Monday morning. So for a, the whole of the weekend, 
we are in a very sensitive, uh, imaginative energy. So uh, somebody I saw in one of the, the comments mentioned the Beatles. So it reminds me of the John Lennon song, Imagine. What can we imagine? And then what can we focus our energy on? Because the Piscean moon is very sensitive to what's in our imagination. And as well, inner bliss and happiness, right? Finding that spot of happiness within us instead of searching for it outside of us. It doesn't lie outside of us. Happiness comes from within. We see that in our human design chart too, because the gate of joy and happiness is on the root center, not the emotional center. So it's not something that we look for or feel based on what other people are doing. It's something we carry with us as foundational energy. And in Pisces, that brings that back up for us. It is also a psychic and intuitive, highly spiritual sign. And interesting because tomorrow with the moon in Pisces, we're going to see a psychic medium and see if we can connect to some of our deceased loved ones. I feel like it's just kind of apropos because this was originally going to be on a different day. The moon would not have been in Pisces and now it's been rescheduled and the, the, the moon is going to be in a sign that supports that kind of connection. But there's also emotional sensitivity here. So a lot of what we're saying in terms of reaction versus response is uh, going to be highlighted over the weekend with Piscean energy, the moon being here, the moon representing our emotional well-being or our emotional needs, and then Pisces being sensitive to that. So we have a choice to either be very sensitive to what our fellow human beings are feeling, our fellow animal friends, or we can choose to be reactionary and react to that sensitivity and that energy that we're feeling from everyone. And above all, the Piscean energy is compassionate, humanitarian even. <clears throat> it takes the humanitarian energy of Aquarius and applies it to the world at large, to the people at large. So we have a really good weekend for taking in these lessons the one being energy, the loving energy that we've just completed, and then applying it to our lives. It's extraordinary. Speak. You guys can speak now. I know you just are dying to say something. <laughs> well, it is extraordinary. We are living in extraordinary times. And sometimes we have to take a pause and remember that we're living in extraordinary times rather than getting sidetracked by all the little dramas that are exploding all around us. We have to come back to that center so that we can use our voice and connect it to our will center and our soul and be able to make choices to respond rather than react and to take that higher vision forward so that we can create the ideal that we're looking for. And we we spoke before we went live. You were talking, Janet, about revolution, not not as a war or a warring energy, but as as a, a change point or a creating something new. And I think whenever we talk about this, we have to add the phrase. The word evolution is within the word revolution. And I think we need to look at revolution as an evolutionary energy or, or an evolutionary ability to change things, to, to move away from what doesn't work and to create something that does work. So revolution can have a completely different feeling or a completely different understanding 
than than the typical old paradigm. Well, that means we have to be at war with someone or we have to be challenging someone. We can change that through our choices to evolve rather than fight. And Larkwell has been telling people this entire year that this period of time that we call 2021, it is necessary for us to step into revolution in order to evolve. The Pleiadians are telling us, come out of what you think is real in your illusion and remember who you really are. Step into that and evolve through revolting to the old. Yeah, it's so true. And so the whole reason this energy is so powerful, I think, on the planet at the moment is because some of these bigger planets, Saturn, Jupiter, are sitting or, or have been through this gate 49 in our human design, which is the gate of revolution. When we look at this in human design, we see this energy of revolution. When we look at it through the gene keys, we're getting then a perspective that's more holographic. In the hologram of revolution, we begin in the lower energy of reaction. And reaction then leads us to the next level, which would be revolution. But the highest level here is rebirth energy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because in, I don't know if you guys are as familiar with the gene keys, but this is, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just sort of moving to be able to, to create uh, a synthesis of all of these systems, mm-hmm. astrology, human design, and the gene keys. In the gene keys, we're actually looking at these energies as aspects of our genetic material, our very DNA, mm-hmm. and how the DNA is... Um, reactive to responsive to let's move that word out responsive to what it is that we're allowing in you allow more light in the dna transduces that light and brings it out to the world if you're bringing in the lower frequency the dna picks that up and then puts out that lower frequency energy again it's putting all of that responsibility responsibility on us as to what we're focusing on when when we look at the genes and the way that they're arranged, they're arranged in codon rings. And the codon ring that the revolution gate is at is called the whirlwind, the codon ring of the whirlwind. <clears throat> so it, it brings up the, the thought process that uh, <clears throat> I think of a whirlwind, I think of the spiral of consciousness, mm-hmm. right? I think of a tornado and how the spinning action, the Sufis dancing, right, brings up the ability to shake loose all of the old mm-hmm. so that we can evolve, to your point, Colin, revolution, re-evolution, to evolve is within that revolutionary energy. And that revolution then leads to a rebirth. <clears throat> now, the 49 sits on the emotional center, <laughs> the solar plexus. Mm-hmm. So it's emotional. It's going to trigger us. We're going to be triggered on every level when we get stuck in the black and white. Things are not so black and white. So the the gate 49 or the gene key 49 creates a system of change on the planet, but it's not just the individual. Here's the bigger news. This is us as a collective choosing, choosing to let go of the old truths, but not to kill the old truths, right? We don't have to, we don't have to dump everything we've ever done um, in order to evolve. We get to take the best of what we've created because we, we have some beautiful things that we've created 
um, but we just need to bring update it, right? We need to update it, revolutionize it, bring it into the into the now so that we can set ourselves up for a more positive future. So this isn't crash and burn energy. <laughs> it's recreation energy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that all we have to do is change our perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we can look at the old and we can appreciate what it brought us, the lessons we learned, but we don't have to keep it as the only solution or the, the only way to live our lives. If we change our perspective and look at it as, well, it helped us evolve or it helped us grow at the time it was necessary, but maybe we don't need to use that scope or that understanding any longer. It helped us when it helped us, but it's time to move on. So I think changing our perspective of what has happened is what could be a springboard to moving into a a new paradigm, a a new beginning through creative action. So I think you're absolutely right about that. It's not that we have to throw it away. We just have to look at it differently. I think we have to look at it uh, holographically. I think that I, I, I don't have a better word for that. We have to look at it and look through it and look above it and look under it and look around it and see it spherically even because it's all interrelated and interconnected. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to throw out everything that we've done would just seem to be the wrong, it's not even sustainable for us to do that. Like, why do we have to crash and burn everything to build something that's better? We, We don't have to, right? We can take the best of what we've learned and we can apply it to, well, where do we want to go from here? Exactly. It's very much collective energy, but it's also, I think it's fueled by the individual. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. The collective change. That makes sense. And as Larkma always tells us, everything is energy and energy can change its shape and form at any time. So the individual input of how we wish to shape it is the essence of speaking each other into being and creating the world we want to see. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And it puts, uh, I I like the idea of having that in our, I'm going to use the word control because I don't have in in our purview, let's say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like necessarily to say it's about control. That's also leaving the planet. But this energy that that we have, this responsibility that we have to co-create is uh, a lesson that that we have not yet mastered and other civilizations have, or at least have made better inroads to it than we have. So I think when we listen to the wisdom of the other star systems, uh, and I don't know what other ones, maybe the Syrians, I don't know. I don't know who they are all out there, but there's wisdom in that they've also come through these same times. Is that true? Like the Pleiadians have been kind of in our shoes before? Absolutely. They all go through their own evolutionary process. They all understand the the procedures that are required for us to move out of the caterpillar into the butterfly. It may look a little different in each society, but the process is the same. And it requires courage. It requires an open heart. It requires a willingness. And it requires responding responsibly. 
people people often ask Larkma, why are you here? Why are you helping us? And their response is is almost always the same. They say, we love you and we have gone through an evolutionary process of our own, somewhat like yours, but different at the same time. But the reason we're here is to help guide you because we've been through this and we have the ability because our perspective is so much greater than yours. And they don't mean that judgmentally. They mean it just as a, as a bigger cosmic understanding because of the age of, of their evolution. And they say, we want to help you get through these pitfalls. We want, to, we want to support you. We want to help you navigate things that you have to deal with, your shadows, your, your challenges, in a way that will speed up your ability to get through this. Because what we went through took a very, very long time. And you don't have to be in this situation, in this transitory way that, that you're evolving and that, that you're growing. We can do this together. And adding our information, adding our wisdom, if you're willing to listen, will help you evolve in a much different way. So, and they're not the only ones. As you said, there are many other star societies. This planet is surrounded by benevolent beings who are here to support us in many, many ways. And they're doing their utmost to give us information, help us with our intuition, help us move into a much greater understanding of the big picture. Yes, if only we would listen. <laughs> I, I, we are, we are listening. Um, I just want to take a minute and let's see, I have the book right here. I wanted to remind people because there's a lot of new people out here this morning. Um, I want to show you the calendar that uh, Pia and Colin have been a participant in. I, I think Larkma was also participating in this, right? Yes. And this yes. is the Canadian Earth Energy Calendar. This is 2021. Is the 2022 out? The 2022 is available at any bookstore. The ISBN number and the title are on our website where people can look it up, give any bookseller, I want this ISBN number or here's the title and they can have it for you in days. So right. yes, it's available. Yeah. And for those of you who bought the 2021, you realize that, of course, it goes through the through June of 2022. But I would you still recommend that people who have this one still get the 2022? Is there something more depth there about 2022? It has additional information. We always add more information every time we create a new calendar. So there are new things in the 2022. This yeah. this this 2022 edition is much more expanded than any of the other calendars we've done year after year. So although the 2021, as you said, is still good through June, the information that's packed in the newest calendar is a tremendous amount of, of new information and extremely helpful information. And it's your website for the calendar is larkma.com, right? L-A-A-R-K-M-A-A.com. A-A. Ooh, I would have missed that. They Did like those double A's. One, 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 one. They turn out to be like 11s, one standing by each other. They did start 
this binary system when we first met. So yes. Oh gosh, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Uh, so then for those of you who don't know much about the calendar itself, I mean, the calendar has a lot of information, but there's also a companion book that you can get called Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. The book is also available on Larkma's, on the Larkma website. The website lists all the sources where you can order it. You can order it directly from the publisher, which is Inner Traditions. And there's multiple other listings for people to look and see where yeah. they would like to purchase it. So this book is very helpful in uh, helping get an understanding of everything to do with this calendar, understanding how it's based in the astrology and what um, relationships are through through uh, working with this system. It's really, I found it, I already understand astrology, but I found it really easy to understand. And I think anybody who wants to read it could do that and understand it. I don't find it to be like over the top uh, cerebral or <laughs> uh, something that people couldn't understand. So uh, if you're interested, go to their website and get that, uh, find the resources for living this system. Because I think, you know, one of the reasons I'm really interested in this is because it offers us um, a pathway for being able to be the co-creators, to really see how it is that we're uh, a part of everything and not separate from everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. The, so it's a the, tool. It's a great tool. And for those who want to look at it from a more personal level beyond the book and the calendar, I do personal charts, which are a nice blending for a Western astrology chart because they, they look at different elements of the energy that you have from a completely different vantage point. And that vantage point is the calendar is, is truly about energy, not time. And it, it brings a completely different understanding of who we are, how we navigate this, this world we live in. So and the that, calendar helps us move through the everyday, what is the energy? Whereas the chart helps you look at what is the energy that I carry? Personally. Personally, so you can marry those two together and navigate your life a lot more smoothly. And I did one of those readings and I found it very helpful because you also included, I don't know if you do this all the time, but you included the Venus phase, Venus star mm -hmm phase yes. that I was born in. Yes, I always include that because Venus is the most important element in Pleiadian Earth energy astrology. Venus represents duality here on Earth. We have the morning star and the evening star. So that Venus position when you were born, phase and star point is really an important signature of who you are now and what you're intending to be doing, what's your mission. Interesting that they would see Venus. So yeah, because, I mean, the, well, the Mayans picked up the system from the Pleiadians, but they were also very Venus-oriented. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, because it's the same same system. Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology is our modern name for what used to be the Mayan calendar with updated information that matches where humanity is today, 5,000 years after the Mayan calendar. The Mayan calendar has become sort of a, an enigma to many people because they don't really understand what the Pleiadians were teaching. But now with Larkma's new infusion of Pleiadian wisdom, the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology System makes it workable for us to navigate today. Yeah, and fairly directly too. I find it's mm -hmm. it's pretty easy. 
It is. Yeah. I mean, our tendency is to want to make things more difficult, but <laughs> it's really pretty simple just to follow along. And yes. as I was looking since, you know, we won't meet again until November. Uh, if we look ahead at what uh, the rest of October brings, we see another new week, another new 13-day period, starting with one healing um, on the 29th. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. And following that day is a Venus phase change. So talk about that too. Well, the Venus phase change I'll talk about first. That Moses, the Venus phase of wholeness. And the purpose of recognizing the wholeness energy is to recognize that each and every one of us is already whole as we are. Stop viewing ourselves as broken or something not being right or things that we have to improve. Obviously, if we're in human form, we have things to work on. But the viewpoint of Venus when the wholeness phase is to recognize that you are already completely whole. It's a beautiful, beautiful phase of energy. And it does come right after the initiation into healing energy. Healing is a northern energy, giving us the strength to move through challenges and helping us to move into a more mystical awareness of who we are so that we can gather all the healing energies that are available to us and apply them at an inner level. When we start to heal ourselves in this way, healing our shadows, healing our dysfunctions, the misinformation about what we've been saying to ourselves, when we start healing ourselves at this level, we can then radiate healing energy out to others so that they can say, oh, look, I can do that too. So it is another powerful energy to be coming right on the heels of the 13 days of being energy. Follows yeah, it, it. it. It's like it's perfect, right? It just rolls in this perfect fashion. Is there any significance to the day that Venus phase changes occur? So it's going to be two seeing, which is an energy of the West. Is there anything there that's significant? Well, seeing energy is always about looking at the details of your life. Seeing energy is about being able to try to see the big picture, but doing it through the details and not getting distracted by the details so you don't see the big picture. Coming in on a two energy, two is the energy of duality. So if we're moving into duality, it's real easy to get distracted by details and not see the whole unified picture. And I'm using the word whole on purpose because we are moving into the Venus wholeness phase. So if we come into that energy from Venus on a two day where our normal focus would be on duality, but consciously you choose to see a unified picture, we're using the energy to see the details in a way that reflect the wholeness of the connection of the universe and all of us. I love it. So I'm wondering, this is just a wonder, and I may be speaking this incorrectly, but you can maybe speak to it yourself. Why would the Pleiadians, who are in a completely different star system than we are in, be interested in our planet Venus? Because that is the planet that represents to us here in our evolutionary system what we can see as a guideline. They're just choosing it because it is a representation that we can relate to. They're not interested in it for their evolution. They're interested in it for helping us, particularly because we live on a planet of duality. And Venus represents that so well between morning star and evening star, the warrior and the lover. And when you recognize they don't have to be separate Venus is still one star with varying energies. It helps us recognize that there are different sides within each of us. 
It even helps us to marry the alchemical marriage between the divine masculine and the divine feminine within each of us so that we become more whole. So the Venus wholeness phase and the Pleiadian encouragement to pay attention to Venus is absolutely on purpose. I love it. Um, I love it because when I think about the signs that Venus rules here on this planet, one of them is Taurus. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the other being Libra, where we are right this minute. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And both of those signs, well, you know, Libra, not in Taurus necessarily, but Libra has sort of in it this idea of duality, right? Where the scales can be tilted off, you know, to one or the other. So it's always the bringing things into equilibrium or to a harmony of sorts mm -hmm. uh, and understanding that that's always a process of weighing, right? Weighing the, the one side against the other. Uh, but with Taurus energy and Venus, it really takes us into the beauty and the harmony of what could be on this planet, because it really is an Earth sign, Earth sign. It is. And I'm going to speak about Cullen again, if I can. Yes. Cullen Smith Node is in Taurus, and he is absolutely, in my living with him, I can vouch for this, absolutely focused on how to bring more beauty and more harmony into this planet. So his Pleiadian connections speak up in our lives every single day in his makeup. Well, I think what we're talking about is balance. And what, what is missing in, in our cultures, in our societies today is balance. We, we use differences as problems instead of using differences as creating a better whole for all of us. We focus on you're different. Maybe that means I don't like you. Maybe I don't understand you. Maybe I'm afraid of you. And what we need to create is a better system that uses all of our differences to create something that works for everybody. And that to me is, is the, it's it's the, the the term, the best term that I can come up with to create balance for everyone. And that's what's lacking in our societies and in our cultures. And what what many of us are trying to do is to create that balance. And it's not that tough. All we have to do is be responsible. All we have to do is do the right thing. And balance will simply be part of everything we do. And turn away from harsh words, criticism, judgment, and instead invite yeah. in those words that we could speak our world into being by coming into balance with everything that we want to manifest. Uh, I'm quickly looking something up because I just realized in uh, talking about this that when we get into January of this year, January 19th-ish, so right around, depending on your time zone and, and that, that, um, and maybe even just a little bit before. So let's go back to maybe right around winter solstice, the nodes, the North node is going to be shifting to sit atop of the Pleiades because it's going to be moving out through zero Gemini into 29 and then 28 degrees of Taurus because the shift of the nodes goes backwards through a sign. They're always in retrograde. So we're about to get impacted even more so with this Pleiadian energy. 
as time goes on here, as we end uh, the fall and get into the winter, or uh, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. For those of you, if you're listening from uh, Australia or down under, uh, it's going to be your spring into mm -hmm. summer. So yes. a huge shift coming. And we yes. have more, a, Lord, a sort of a harbinger of that next month when we have a Taurus eclipse. Mm -hmm. It's actually, There's yeah, Taurus lunar eclipse. That energy that you're speaking of arriving in January at that time point is particularly potent for Cullen and me because according to the Pleiadian Earth Energy System, that's the energy that brought the two of us together. We came wow. together in that energy. Where's your North Node at, Pia? My North Node's in Aries. My South Node's in Libra. Nice. Nice. Um, Tom has a question, and I think it's a pretty good one. Um, will it help us to study the symbolism and the allegories of Venus? I think anytime we are drawn to symbolism, it's an opening to get our, our hearts more open to other ideas. So if you're drawn to it, that it can be good for you. Should you do it as a classroom assignment to get better? No, I don't think so. But if you're drawn to looking at the symbolism and the mythology around it, absolutely, because you can always apply whatever the mythology is to your own life and invent for yourself, how does this apply to me? How can I open my heart more towards Venus? How can I do these things that are being shown to me? So why not? It's, it's absolutely a tool for self-introspection to, to look at things in a classical and bigger way than just myself. It, it's both individual and archetypal in, in, a, in a way that can enhance our lives. Yeah. And Venus has been called other things through other cultures. So in mm -hmm. some mythologies, Venus is Inanna. Uh, I think that's Babylonian or Assyrian. And then in Egyptian mythology, there was a Venus character. Her name is Isis and maybe even others that, you know, other uh, goddesses that, that, that uh, were part of that pantheon. So I think, you know, you could branch out and, and besides just Venus, look at how she was named in others, uh, in the mythologies of all the different um, all the cultures, absolutely cultures through time. Even Mary Magdalene is a representation of the yes. Venus. Yeah. Mary Magdalene was was she studied in the Isis schools in Egypt, so it's absolutely connected. Anything that has to do with the divine feminine opens the heart. And Tom and anyone else listening, if you're drawn to looking at the symbolism of the divine feminine, go for it because it opens up the divine feminine within all of us every time we pay attention to that. Which, sure which, which interestingly enough, also creates balance between the divine masculine and mm -hmm. the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. So looking, looking at these aspects can not only help balance us, but it can open up a whole new perspective of, of seeing things in a completely different way, to, to see a, a much bigger picture. J-Lo says, connecting the dots, and uh, but she's saying, yes, I am always doing that and end up in a rabbit hole. Then Tom says, rabbit holes can be fun, just ask Alice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know that we need to go to the rabbit hole part of it, but you know, the, the, the interesting thing about rabbit holes is they always have an entrance and an exit. Yes. Right. That you don't have to just get stuck in the rabbit hole. You can just keep following the light till you get to another exit. And enjoy the part um, while you're in there. It may reveal a few things to you. Right. That's exactly right. On our journey. So uh, here we are at almost nine o'clock my time. It is time for us to say goodbye. Thank you so much for being here. It was fun as always. (laughs) Interesting as always and thought provoking. And thank all of you listeners for joining us today. And I will see you again on Monday morning. And uh, we'll take up Mercury moving direct and talk about what that means for us now, because we're not out of the woods, just out of the retrograde. We still have the shadow period afterwards to contend with. And Pia and Colin will again be with me on November 19th, uh, Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So we'll love to see you again and find out what, what goodies you have in store for us then. You know what I think? Isn't that the day of the next eclipse it is oh that'll be fun that's the day of the lunar eclipse it is wow wow that'll be a that'll be a powerful and auspicious uh connection i'm excited for that okay so we'll see you next month uh for all of my listeners thank you so much much love to all of you we'll see you on monday bye for now bye to everyone Bye -bye. bye bye